Time is running out for the planet Earth. It's impervious to all voices. There's an intriguing sensation. It's a nuclear device. Fun, fun, fun! Yes, that's nice. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. It belongs to a creature from outer space. It's a bird! It's a plane! It's very important. It does not confuse. It's a trap! Hi, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of the Geek Shell Hair Podcast. I'm Daniel Pickett. I'm Jason Lindsay. And we, we woke up to a brand new day with a brand new doctor. Yes, we did. That's very exciting. Yeah, it's very cool. It's, it's, well, I'm, I'm curious to know what your reaction is, because... Um, I've now seen the first two episodes. Okay. Uh, and this is the first time I saw it, you know, all put together with the, the proper visuals and that amazing opening sequence, opening titles. Now, I heard something about that. I heard that that was something a fan created that they liked and used. Is that true? Have you oh, heard that? Oh, it could be. It looks like the kind of thing a fan would do. Yeah. You know, it's it's pretty cool. I don't know if that's true. I saw that that headline once. I didn't actually click on the story, but I thought if that was true, how cool is that? That could be true. Well, we can talk about that in a little more depth uh, in just a little bit. Uh, but I just thought that was kind of fun and uh, and interesting. Yeah, very very cool if that is the case. Yeah. So what else is going on with you these days? Um, you know, just trying to stay ahead of the the geek curve. <laughs> How's that working out? Uh, it's getting a little tough. Yeah. Just all the information that's out there, all the stuff. All the time. Um, so, uh, yeah, you'd be surprised what we go through in a week. Just either getting stuff or stuff happening or breaking news. and That's where we come in. That's right. Digest it all and give it to you in a easy, bite-sized form. Constantly taking little notes like, oh, got to remember to talk about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's, uh, let's kick off right away with what we're excited about. All right. Not, because this will go right back to the opening of the show. Oh, okay. Uh, so for me, this, uh, unfortunately, this is kind of the tail end of it. Uh, I got in a little late, but there's a, a new show on Nat Geo, the National Geographic channel, called Going Deep with David Reese. And uh, it, is, it, it is exactly in my wheelhouse. <laughs> It's a very strange, very funny show. Uh, some of you may remember David Reese from a couple of years ago. Uh, he was kind of an Internet sensation. He, he started a, an artisanal pencil sharpening service where for a small fee he would artisanally sharpen a pencil for you and return it to you. Much, much nicer than the, than the standard just, you know, stick it in the machine and crank the handle. Uh, and he would send you like a video and pictures of uh, sharpening your pencil. But so this going deep show is uh, he attacks problems that he thinks are things we all know how to do, uh, but goes uh, much deeper in trying to find the ultimate way to do things. So he did one on the ultimate way to tie your shoes, uh, the ultimate way to swat a fly, how to dig a hole. Uh, and he goes to experts <laughs> Uh, there was a paper airplane episode. The season finale is this Monday, uh, and it's how to properly shake hands. Uh, it's a half-hour show, a very, very funny format. Jonathan Colton actually does the theme song. 
to the to the show, which is very brief on the show, but there's a, a longer version on John Colton's website. But just really, really funny stuff. Uh, I, I enjoy the heck out of it. Um, it seems a bit silly, but there is actual scientific uh, stuff that happens, and you can learn something. Like my, as a result of the uh, shoe tying episode, my wife is now tying her shoes differently. And it's working fantastic. She has a pair of shoes that normally comes untied. We walked around all day in Catalina one day, and they didn't even loosen. It was it's amazing. Wow! If you're getting that kind of information from this show, yes, just imagine what's coming. That's right. What happens in season two? Oh, that sounds fun. That sounds like a, a fun way to use the medium. Yes, it's really really a, a cute show. Nice. How about yourself? Well, I think I'm just excited. It, it seems cliche, but I'm just excited all around about uh, Peter Capaldi and what I've seen of him, you know, as the Doctor. Um, oh, yes. I think we're um, we're getting something very different, very new, right out of the gate, and um, especially in the second episode, uh, it's very okay. clear. Like in the first 15 minutes of the episode, everything that comes out of his mouth, I think, is just brilliant. Wow. And uh, it just, it, it pretty basically is trying to say, you know, this, this is the doctor. He does not fool around. This is who he is. They're, 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 they're etching him in stone very quickly. Hmm. You know, they're, they're telling you what his character is and how he would handle something that a different doctor, you know, would be thrown at a different doctor. This guy's going to handle it completely differently. Okay. And be a bit more gruff. Right, uh, yes. Uh, you know, um, he just, he kind of, he's not all happy-go-lucky like we've seen. Right, yeah. Which I think, uh, um, Abby and I talked about that last night. It, it, was, it was getting to a point where the fun and kind of the silly was ratcheting up so much that the next iteration of that would have probably been preposterous. Yeah. So to reset... And make him a bit of a gruffer, uh, what she called a more badass doctor, I think was probably the right way to go. Yeah, I think it had to happen. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so it's going to be great. It's going to what he's going to do. I think is going to. I get the feeling what they're trying to do is bring him back to the closest we've gotten to the doctor in the, in the Doctor Who series since we were growing up in the seventies. Right. Right. I think they're trying to make it feel like the Doctor Who of the 70s, the way the Doctor would handle things. Right. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. No, no, not at all. Yeah. And I think that lends itself to some very different stories than, than what we've been seeing, too. Right. Uh, one fun fact, I found out that his name is actually pronounced Capaldi instead of Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. Yeah. Capaldi? According to him, yes. Oh. According to an interview I saw with the man himself. Well, then we'll call him Capaldi. Yeah. And uh, and then I guess, I, I hope this isn't a spoiler, because it went out pretty wide, I feel like, is that there'll be a new companion probably after Christmas. Yeah, it sounds like her days are numbered. Yeah. I don't feel like she was there that long. I don't either. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I feel like these companions don't get a chance to wear out their welcome. Yeah. Next thing you know, they're gone. But uh. and and you know, this one was kind of nice. I, you know, I don't think it's much of a 
spoiler just because it's in the first like four minutes or something uh, where they really establish that there's not going to be a romantic uh, connection between these two, which I think is a smart way to go uh, with that because we, we've seen that, I feel like, a lot recently. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but just it might be interesting to see, you know, who's next and, you know, what if he had uh, another sort of strong male companion, not that there's, you know, a, a romantic connection or anything, but just we, we never have seen him sort of side by side with another guy like sort of kicking ass and stuff. Yeah, that would be good. I think it would be a nice change. Yeah. Because it, it can't be the same thing over and over again. And right. Will he, won't he, you know, will she, won't she, will they, won't they. And this this relationship seems to be right away that there is no interest, whereas Matt Smith was kind of, you know, attracted to her, pining for her, uh, and she didn't reciprocate. In this case, there's nothing. Right. There's there's nothing going on between them. I really felt like the makeup, too, on that sort of uh, mechanical guy was some of the best effects work they've done in the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was good. It was... I wasn't crazy about the, the villains and kind of where they were going with things, but... Um, but, you know, it's a fine way to start him, to start his episodes. Yeah. You know? And just the, the sort of uh, the idea that he comes out very confused, very different. And they even sort of uh, hinted at, uh, addressed the, you know, Peter Capaldi appeared in an episode of Doctor Who before, you know. Yeah. So they, they sort of even addressed that uh, lightly in a way of, of how he could look like a guy that has already been on the show. Yeah, and apparently they're going to really address it. Well, I felt like they kind of, they they did that sort of last night. Well, apparently they're really going to kind of explain throughout the season oh, okay. how exactly he could look like the guy from the Fires of Pompeii and the guy from uh, Torchwood. Oh, are they doing that too? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know they were tying the Torchwood one in. That's what they said. Hmm, interesting. So we'll see. So, yeah. New Who, yeah, that's never a bad who. thing. Very exciting. Great stuff. And there's a new BBC show that I've just taped. I haven't watched it yet. It's called, what's it called, The Intruders? Oh, yeah. I, my, uh, I put that on, too, but I haven't watched it yet. That I'm kind of keen to, to see what that's about. Yeah, it's got some good folks yeah. there. So, so, so I'll, I'm excited to see that. Yeah. So what else is going on? Well, boy, let's see. Right now, because of this weekend, the Masters of the Universe sub subscription, Club Eternia, is back open. They didn't quite reach their goal uh, in the original window. They're about 10% shy, so they are scrambling trying to get that funded and moving forward. I know there's a lot of people posting things on social media trying to get people on the fence uh, to to sub up so it goes forward, and I, I hope that happens. They've got some uh, some cool things planned. It'll be a nice sort of end of that line. You know, They really just have one year left to get all the the vintage figures uh, into the line that were created, all the sort of A-list, B-list, C-list guys done for Master of the Universe and and uh, the She-Ra Princess of Power line. So, hope that happens for those fans. I mean, what are they at so far? Like, how many how many characters have they made so far? Oh man, well over two hundred. Right? Yeah. Jeez. But you know, it, it would be it would be nice to see that completed. 
that they were able to touch on all the you know all those variants and all the all the other characters remade in the Four Horsemen style. It'd be a nice little bow on that line, I think. And then uh, the other exciting news out of Mattel is that it looks like we're going to get that big Doomsday Unleashed figure, which that's pretty cool. That was the the tier two figure for the uh, DC sub that didn't go through. Um, it looks like we're going to be getting that sometime around the holidays. Well, cool. Yeah. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. The figure that, that was canceled. Right, yeah. I mean, you, there was the the whole thing where you would sub up, and if you got to Tier 1, you got the Doomsday Bound, which ended up being the Comic-Con exclusive since the sub didn't go through. And then if we had reached Tier 2, we would have got the big, you know, angry Doomsday, which is the correct size. We got one back in that 2008-2009 Four Horsemen line, but he was built off the bizarro buck so he's really small by the standards that they've set in the in the dcuc line now so we want kind of a big angry uh doomsday and they've come up with sort of a great package with dan jurgen's art he comes with a, a soft goods cape you know stuck on his fist so it's a really cool package really cool figure so i'm i'm very glad to be getting that in the collection to kind of say goodbye to the four horsemen designed, uh, sculpted DC figures. That's a nice little button on the end. All right. How about you? Uh, nothing much in the way of uh, picking much up. Um, I noticed at Walgreens that there were some exclusive uh, little toys for Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I'm such a fan of that movie. I just, just love it to bits that I kind of passed at first, and the next time I was in there, I thought, you know, what the hell. And you got to kind of hunt for them, because they literally were just like one of each of these toys. They don't have like ten sitting on each shelf. Yeah. And one was a, uh, a Rocket Raccoon bust bank. One is a you know, painting set, you know, two figures that you can paint, one of Rocket Raccoon and one of uh, Star-Lord, the mask. Mm-hmm. And the other one is just reminds me of cheesy rack toys from the 70s. It's like a little miniature racetrack that you build uh, out of a you know decent-sized square box, pull the racetrack out, build it, and put these little cars that are marked as characters from the movie on a section of racetrack and then flick the switch once the batteries are in, and they just race around the racetrack. Little baby hmm. cars. It's just, it's just the kind of thing that rack toys would have made you know, some company would have made back in the in the mid mid late seventies as a higher end rack toy, basically. Right, right. But it's got Guardians of the Galaxy artwork all over the packaging on all three of these. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I saw the. I've been going into Walgreens looking for the uh, the Marvel Legends exclusive that they have, the Agent Venom, which I finally found yesterday. Uh, and I did see the Rocket Bust Bank, so I'll put a picture of that up in the in the show notes when we post this uh but yeah that's it's fun and uh you know they're starting to kind of already set for the holidays so sometimes the toys are up above the shelves kind of in that overstock area that's where i saw the rocket so if you don't see it in the toy aisle you might kind of look around the store too if you're interested okay that's good to know yeah yeah grab those and then um you know those 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 battling figures that they have Yes. Squeeze the legs and they, you know, 
make a move kind of thing. Yep. I picked a few of those up, and then I picked the next one up, and then I picked the fourth one up, you know. And uh, then there were two that were coming out that I hadn't found anywhere. And then I, I found uh, uh, Ronan and Drax, the next ones that have come out. Oh, I haven't seen those yet. finally a figure of, of Ronan. Okay. So that's cool. And those are about five inches, right? Right. Okay. And yeah, I got, uh, recently I got the Figures Toy Company Mego Teen Titans re-release. Okay. So those are uh, nice to finally get those. Never had those as a kid, so it's uh, kind of fun to, to get those. Uh, saw the new, picked up the new Walking Dead comic book figures from McFarlane, series three of those. Uh, and found all, all four of them in one shot, which is always nice. And then uh, also got uh, a nice little sort of specialty toy, a little uh, handcrafted thing. Let me turn around and grab it here. Um, called the uh, the Space Madness uh, from the Space Madness series. A, a guy goes by the name of Junk Fed makes these, and it's uh, the RXDX pharmaceutical droid, and it sort of looks like a little uh, pill bottle, an orange pill bottle with a white cap, but he's got vintage R2D2 legs, and it says take two capsules daily for space madness and it's on kind of a vintage card so he makes these sort of little specialty figures uh he did sort of a, a spock and a kirk in stormtrooper uniforms that are kind of cool and uh something danny newman had turned me on to so that was fun to kind of get that guy that's cool to go with get my other astromech collection that i have i think i want the spock i think i saw the spock stormtrooper because it's painted the armor is painted the color of his shirt yeah, he's got a, a blue shirt and black pants. Yeah, I definitely stormtrooper. I gotta get that for sure. And the the Kirk is you know same way the yellow shirt and black pants, but he's got the the slash across his chest from that episode. Oh right. Yeah. Right. So the cool cool little things, you know, little handmade. You know, I, I don't know what the run of them is, but uh, I know they sell through pretty quickly. So I was happy. I uh, got an alert when that one popped up, so I was able to grab it quickly. Very cool. Yeah. What else have you been doing? You know, getting ready for the new new TV season. That's coming up right around the corner. Lots of new new things to watch and, and enjoy. Uh, I've been watching a lot of the new... Uh, they've been teasing a bunch of stuff for Star Wars Rebels. And really looking forward to that. That, that really... I mean, I can... You can... It's very easy to see looking at the surface that they are almost directly replicating the formula of the original Star Wars movies of sort of the scoundrelly guy, uh, the big sort of beast, the female, a couple of uh, cranky droids, and uh, a young kid, you know. But uh, just everything about it, it's, you know, it's, it's that aesthetic and that, that time period that we've been waiting for uh, with that, I don't want to call it expanded universe since that's gone, but uh, in, in sort of filling in those gaps. So everything I've seen from it just makes it look like they're they're firing on all cylinders. Because, you know, Clone Wars was good, but sometimes it got a little too much into the political storyline of, you know, the the Trade Federation and all that sort of nonsense. And, you know, then they would sort of get back on track and, and you know, make some really interesting episodes. But this really feels like they sort of sat in a room and wrote down 
what is it we loved about you know the original trilogy and they're sort of aping that but in a good way to tell new stories and and fill that gap until the new movies come out yeah i guess i just wish that you know they, they aesthetically they looked a little different you know that that the the, the troopers look kind of cool and, and different machines and stuff but the people it still kind of looks like the same design from from clone wars don't you think uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 all the same people working on it, and I think they did want to tie them together somewhat. But the a lot of the design aspect is completely lifted from Ralph McQuarrie. Uh, they were showing a lot of. Uh, I got to go to one of the panels about it at Comic Con, and just the what they've got in store for us. Uh, they were showing sort of side by side designs. You know, great. I mean, that, which makes it feel more latched into that universe because we're all so familiar with a lot of that Ralph McQuarrie stuff. Hmm. And it's cool just to see his, you know, the kid has uh, this helmet, this mask that he puts on that looks just like his uh, McQuarrie snowtrooper designs. And that mask is out in stores now. I mean, if you would have, we wouldn't have guessed 30 years ago that, you know, there would be a Ralph McQuarrie mask on shelves. That's just crazy. Yeah kids to buy and run around in. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, there's been some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. announcements uh, lately. The, uh, Adrian Palicki of Friday Night Lights, and she was also the Wonder Woman in the Wonder Woman pilot that never materialized, is going to be Mockingbird on the show. And they've also said that uh, the Absorbing Man is going to show up on the show. Wow. Which is, which is crazy, because isn't the Absorbing Man crazy Nick Nolte? Uh, the Hulk's dad from uh, if we're looking at the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, reboot. 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 It's a much needed. A Nolte reboot. <laughs> yes. Um. Now, wasn't wasn't this weekend the weekend Ghostbusters was going to be re-released in theaters? Oh, what's is that, that next weekend? It might be next weekend. Next week, okay. The last weekend of, of, of August, maybe. Okay. So the... Yeah, I'd love whatever. to do that. Love to hit that. Yeah. Um, Someone said there was a showing of Flash Gordon last night. Really? In L.A. Yeah, like a, like some sort of outdoor thing. I think. Oh shit! I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. I would have missed it anyway, but that would have been cool. Yeah. Um, let's see, the uh, the Monty Python DVD live show that they did, the uh-huh. O2 thing. DVD release dates uh, for the O2 shows are November tenth. 2014, but I think that might be UK only. I don't think I found a release date in the US yet. Nope. Um, but that's coming to DVD. I just picked up Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, yeah. Ray DVD, which uh, is long overdue, a deluxe set. Uh, great stuff in there. Uh, great extras, great making ofs, you know, commercials, trailers. Um, even, a, even a sit down between. Uh, Paul Williams and Guillermo del Toro, oh, which wow. is really cool. You know, two guys that are fans of each other, but you can tell del Toro was just a massive fan of Williams and the movie and everything, and uh, going head to head on stuff. It's really a great, great conversation. So, on the off chance someone may not know about Phantom of the Paradise, can you kind of tell tell the listeners what that was? Yeah, it was a, a movie made by Brian De Palma in the early seventies. And it was kind of riffing on the classic 
you know, Phantom of the Opera sort of tale, uh, and the tale of Faust, where uh, a guy has all this great music, and he's a genius, but um, no one will ever take him seriously. And so he sort of signs his life away, and his music away, to this guy called Swan, who's evil. And um, he basically goes away for a while, like goes to jail or an asylum or something, and he escapes. And when he escapes, he's deformed. He has an accident, and his head is deformed, and he becomes the phantom. And he haunts the paradise, this theater where there are shows all the time that Swan produces. And he realizes that all of his songs have been taken and um, are going to be profited off of, you know, without giving them to him. And he falls in love with this singer, this woman uh, named Phoenix. The whole thing is a riff on the, uh, you know, Phantom of the Opera, the original type Phantom of the Opera. But it's got, you know, rock and roll and glam and... Beach Boys type groups in there, and it's just very much of the glam era, and it's a, you know, it's a it's a horror fantasy, but it's a comedy and a musical. It's this crazy hybrid that Brian De Palma came up with in the early seventies, um, and it's it totally bombed when it came out, but hugely influential now. And, yeah, totally. and Paul Williams is in it as well. Yeah, who everyone will know from just seven any any seventies TV that he was in. Uh, but writing songs for the Muppets and uh, we've only just begun for the Carpenters and you know just an old-fashioned love song for three. Yeah, we've, we've talked about him before because there was a documentary, right? Yeah, uh, uh, Paul Williams is still still alive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's led a really interesting life and he's completely sober now and turned his life around and people just you know want to be around this guy because he's got such genius and. It's really something to see someone like Williams and what he's done in his life sitting with Del Toro, who's just in awe of him, asking him all kinds of fanboy questions. Uh, and Del Toro's a, a genius in his own right. Uh, but that's an extra on the DVD. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Also saw a great documentary that's on Netflix uh, Instant called Harry Dean Stanton, Partly Fiction. And it's just a documentary on on Harry Dean Stanton uh, today. He sings in it. He talks in it. Uh, it's very low key. You talk to a few friends here and there, but he is he is basically a nihilist. Thinks that you know nothing really matters. We're all going to die. Just live while you can. Do what you can, and don't wallow in anything. It's a very interesting philosophy he has, but it's. Uh, it's an interesting, interesting documentary, so I recommend it. Huh. Is it is that going to make you depressed at the end? Just... Um, no, I don't think it'll make you depressed. I think it'll make you just kind of admire this guy, the way he's chosen to live his life. All right. It'll make you a little sad. <laughs> okay. A little sad, but we all know Harry Dean Stanton. We all know his work. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's, you know, he's a smart guy. It's interesting to hear him give give opinions on life, you know? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Huh. Yeah. Well, some crazy news came out this week that I I had never heard, and I, I think it was a surprise to to most. Uh, Pierce Brosnan was being interviewed uh, by some media outlet and said that he was approached to play Batman in the 89 Tim Burton film. I had never, ever heard that. I had neither. Okay. I just I wanted to make sure it wasn't just me. And uh, turned it down, thinking it was silly that, you know, superheroes wore their pants on the outside. 
uh, their underpants. But, oh, I mean, what a different different film that would have been. Yeah, how would he have handled that? And do you think people would have reacted better to, to the announcement of him than Michael Keaton? I suspect they would have. I don't know. They probably would have yelled that he was British. Oh, maybe so. I mean, he's Irish. He's actually Irish, but they probably would have screamed that he was British, you know. Because that was way before the train that we have right now that everyone is British. All of our heroes are British. British, Australian. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, what a what a really different approach I'm sure that would have been. Uh, we probably wouldn't have got the "you want to get nuts, let's get nuts" line. No, I feel no. like I feel like that was all Keaton. Can't imagine him delivering that line. <laughs> that was definitely Keaton. But yeah, it's just it's just fun when those sorts of nuggets come out. Uh, still, that that sort of information, like you would have think by now that he might have that said would have been something mentioned. like in an interview or something. He would have. He would have made comment on it or something. Yeah, yeah. Because he did work with Burton. They worked together in, on Mars Attacks. Yeah. And you'd think that uh, he would have said something then, you know? I, I would have thought that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Maybe he's making it up. Something else uh, really interesting. Uh, I, I am friends on Facebook now with a gentleman by the name of Charles Lippincott, who... Uh, he was one of the early employees of Lucas Lucasfilm at the time. And it was his job to sort of catalog everything and, and chase down piracy and copyright infringement and uh, all sort of the legal wranglings of keeping that IP attached to George Lucas. And he's an older gentleman. He's 75 now. And he spent his whole life sort of defending and protecting this. And he's, he's sort of decided recently that he's 75. Uh, he's got a house full of documents, information, stories, and he can't take it with him. So he's just putting it all up on Facebook. And it's fascinating. Every single day there is some new scan of uh, a document or a story or a logo uh, exchange between designers and George and stuff, and he's just flooding his Facebook page with this information. It's so cool. It's such a great behind the scenes yep. of the stuff that you would really never get to see. Right. And just uh, just a great uh, sort of window into how they were sort of making it up as they went along. You know, there hadn't been anything quite like this at the time. You know, in the in the late seventies. So. Uh, going all the way back to, you know, he's showing pictures from, you know, the original Comic Cons and, you know, flyers that never got published and posters that never got made. But he's not just doing it for Star Wars. He's doing it for Flash Gordon. Uh, he's doing it for the Judge Dredd movie, uh, the original Stallone one. You know, he's got, like, designs from the Mattel toy line. And, I mean, it's just so much stuff of the films that he had a hand in. Uh it's just a treasure trove of information. So check it out. Uh, Lippincott is L-I-P-P-E-N-C-O-T-T if you want to check him out. Yeah. I don't know. Have you been looking at his page at no, all? No, I just I, I didn't know he had the page. Oh, yeah. You should. I mean, he was uh, – I forget who it was. He showed a, a Flash Gordon poster the other day of someone. I want to say it was like Walt Simonson or something. It was someone – 
kind of a big name in comics that they uh, got to do a poster, but he only did it in black and white, so it couldn't be used. Uh, but, like, great likenesses on all the cast and stuff. But, yeah, it's just sort of every day he posts all day long. He's retired now, so this is this is sort of what he does. And it's just so interesting to pour over, you know, what he posts every single day. Yeah, I know his name. I remember his name from, you know, just reading books about Star Wars. Yeah. Get a famous, you know, the famous Charlie Lippincott. What he what he meant to Star Wars. Yeah. So uh, yeah, well worth well worth checking out. I think you especially would would dig a lot of that stuff. Check that out. Yeah. Definitely check that out. And it's really strange to me that it's, you know, the, the I guess we would call it a pissing contest between uh, Marvel Studios and Warner Brothers DC of their movie releases, where now they're just announcing dates and we don't know what the movies is. And they're, they're showing us about 10 years ahead what we're going to do. And I'm not sure what we're supposed to do with that information. Are we supposed to put it in our calendar now? Yeah, what's, what's, the, the, what's the rundown? Uh, I, I I don't have the list right in front of me, but uh, they they have both released lists that go well into like 2020, right? Yeah, it's, of just it's kind of insane. Untitled this, untitled that, but just I guess I, I'm sure it ties something into the uh, you know Captain America three and Superman versus Batman being on the same date. That whole back and forth that finally. Superman versus Batman moved up, we we heard. But I guess they're all just trying to plant their flags and make everyone else get out of the way, but it's very strange. I don't remember any time in history of any studios like planting their flags and announcing stuff that far out. Like, oh, get ready for this, but if you don't know who the character is, like what what good is that really doing us? Well, it's like the old uh the old comic book fighting, too. You know, it's the same thing. It's just that it's we're talking about movies. What do you mean by, about the old comic book thing? Well, I mean just just you know, you know the competition between the companies. Oh, okay. we're going to do this thing, and then oh, well, we're going to do something bigger next year. We're going to do something, you know, constantly trying to sort of you know one up each other. And this is a way to try to catch up with what Marvel is doing and saying, well, we've got stuff going on too. You know, we've got characters too, and then you know. We're not going to tell you what they are. Tell you what they are, but, but boy, we've got them. We need some space too. Yeah, you know, and then you know, piggybacking and all that stuff. It's just very strange. I, I, I just never remember that happening before, and it, it really feels like these announcements. I, I mean, I guess they get fans somewhat excited, knowing that there is something coming, but without knowing who or what it is, it's sort of like, well, what are we supposed to do with that information? Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. I got out, got out my trapper keeper, and I wrote them all in my my planner. Just wait and see what you can write in, you know, different yeah. dates when they decide to tell you. Yeah. My favorite run of TBD Comics will be coming any time to the Silver are Screen. Are finally doing TBD Comics? Yeah, they totally are. That's, and I think the original TBD team. That's going to be a cult film. That really will. If anything, will be. And I saw I saw yesterday that the uh, what's the who's the director of the new Fantastic Four? Peyton Reed. Peyton Reed, yeah, I guess he tweeted a picture of the thing, which is 
uh, picture that leaked online right around Comic-Con. So uh, we're probably a good three, four weeks past Comic-Con now, and he's tweeted this picture as if it's a reveal, uh, saying this is what the thing looks like. But it's something we all saw several weeks ago. Well, I don't, I don't so think I've seen it. Oh, have you not? No, how does it look? Uh, it, it looks like a sort of photorealistic thing. So he's rocky, but they are sort of gray and different colored rocks as opposed to a big orange thing. And it's, it's sort of a, it's almost like a maquette. It's in front of a green screen. So it's just sort of shoulders up, uh, of, of him. I'll, I'll dig it up and post it and send it to you also. Okay. But it's just sort of saying, Hey, this is the, this is the thing. Does it look cool? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it looks more realistic than someone covered in orange rocks, you know. It's just kind of a big rocky guy, but it's about about what you would expect. Okay. So, and it looks, you know, it's a sculpted thing, so I don't know if if that's going to be a practical effect or if it's going to be uh, a CG thing. So I guess time will tell. Okay. And he also said something to the effect of. You know, the, this movie was never about making the human torch black. It was about making Michael B. Jordan Johnny Storm. That was his quote. It was not about that? I guess that's what he says. I guess he really likes Michael B. Jordan and just wanted him to be a part of it. And so he felt like he would be good in that role. So. All right. He's a good actor. He was on Friday Night Lights, uh, and I think he was on The Wire also. So he's been, I've seen him, he's really terrific in a lot of stuff. I never saw that, that, what was the other, Chronicle, was that the other movie that they run around shooting people or whatever with superpowers? That was Chronicle. Yeah, I think he was in that. That was like the one of the found footage sort of shaky cam things, right? Oh, you never saw Chronicle. I never did. Okay. I'd like to. Yeah, you should see it. Okay. Just so we can talk about it. Okay. You know, I didn't think it was that great. You did not enjoy it. No, I thought it was well done. I just didn't think it was that great. Okay. Or interesting. You know. All right. Um, what else you got lined up? Uh, that's most of the stuff I've got on my list, actually. Well, I went to the McCartney show. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was fantastic. We had a wonderful time. Um, and uh, where we were sitting was the, you know, the the main section, the main front section. We had like the 40th row. So you couldn't go any further back. So we had great seats. For the, okay. Um, but it turned out I was sitting right next to Tim Heidecker from Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Yes. I couldn't quite place that it was him, though, just because it didn't kind of look like him, and we just would jibba-jabbing about other stuff, because he was a big music fan and a big McCartney fan, and asking me questions and quizzing me about what books I have and stuff, and he just chatted away the whole concert. Like, anytime I turned toward him, he'd be like, what about this song? What, about, what do you think about this? He's a real Beatle fanatic. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, as, as we you know talked more to he and his wife... We were talking about exchanging info, and she's like, just look for Tim Heidecker. And I was like, oh, Tim Heidecker. Oh. You know, I think I, I think I know who you are. 
<laughs> your show. Hang on a sec. Think of who you are and your show. And um, he's like, yeah, well, let's let's get together kind of thing. They wanted to get together in L.A. or something. Um, and then Clark... That's fine. He's actually... Uh... He's got a show coming up. I'm, I've got tickets to see Tim and Eric and Dr. Steve Brule uh, next great. month. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. That's that's why we're going basically. Steve, Steve Brule, yeah, the best thing in the show. <laughs> he really is. Um, so I'm sure that will be a crazy show. And then Clark, I can't imagine what what their live show is going to be. Clark Duke was at the end of the row, and I had to walk past him to go get another beer. Um. And he was kind of talking to me, asking me, like, how do you know what, what countdown? What are you talking about? And be like, that countdown right there. I think we have, like, 11 minutes to go get another beer. Now is the time to go do it. Okay, okay, okay. You know, then I, I said, I'm running to get a beer. And then when I came back, he was like, oh, you made it. You did it. You did it. Okay, great. And he was just kind of small talking a little bit. And then eventually they were down by Heidegger. They seemed to know Heidegger. And it was like him and his girlfriend and some other guys. And they had a bunch of extra beers because they had been backstage. So one, one of the girls just gave me a beer. And uh, we're just talking. You know, Tim and I are just talking. And all of a sudden, we turn around. Because where we were, 40th row, there was no one behind us. So what there was behind us was, was area for people to walk through. The next seated people were about 100 feet back. So here's where you'd see security take certain people around, you know, up to the front or around the side or whatever. We were right there. And suddenly somebody takes Joe Walsh and Barbara Bach, you know, back away. Right. Take, take them around the back. And I said, oh, my God, did you see that? She said, look, that's Barbara Bach. That's Barbara Bach. And that's Joe Walsh right there. That's Joe. I said, oh, my God, it's Joe Walsh. That's Joe Walsh. Yeah, which means Joe Walsh isn't playing with Ringo's Rinky Dink State Fair Band or whatever it is. <laughs> and, you know, Barbara Bach is here. Put that together. Ringo's probably here. Right. He's probably going to play drums on some songs. That was my theory throughout the night. Right. You know? And then, just as it was winding down to, the, to end the concert before the encores... I see same kind of thing, some tussle in the middle, some people bringing some people around to the side, and it's Jeff Lynn. Oh, wow. Jeff Lynn from, from ELO, Traveling Wilburys. And Traveling Wilburys, yeah. And I'm like, that's Jeff Lynn. It's Jeff Lynn right there. Something is going on. They're all going to get up there and do something maybe, you know? And then there were two more encores, and nothing happened. Oh, come on, really? Never happened. Oh. Never happened. Imagine my disappointment. That That is very disappointing. So how was the show overall? It was brilliant. Yeah? Did you cry at it all? It was brilliant. I got a little choked up. Yeah. A little choked up, I'll admit. Uh, uh, Diane loved it. Just loved every bit of it. Couldn't believe he sang so much, so many songs. Um, he was great. Did he make mention of not having played there since? Yes. Okay. Yes, he did, which was very cool. Yeah. Which was very cool. Um, yeah, you got a lot of big sense of history just being there. Right, right. And it was a, you know, it was a great show. I mean, he, 
He may stumble a bit, flub a line, you know, get it wrong once or twice. Like flub a line in the song? Yeah, he may just get the lines wrong, things like that. Okay. But, the, you know, the other, you know, 50 songs that he plays, he gets them right. He gets everything right. And, uh, you know, he did Helter Skelter, and he sounded fantastic. Oh, wow. You know? It was great. He was really impressive. Huh. Yeah. Very impressive. So in addition to that, if you enjoyed this last tour, which I think will be the last tour, um, they've been reissuing the McCartney and Wings albums, the McCartney albums, every six months or so. So the latest are McCartney and Wings, uh, Venus and Mars, and Wings at the Speed of Sound. Going to get uh, deluxe reissues in September, and they have loads of extra tracks. They're remastered, loads of extra tracks and singles get attached to those. Usually come with demos, you know, um, or just you know other mini albums that didn't need to get released, kind of thing, or live cuts, you know, live albums that were going to get originally pressed. And then th- you can there's like four different ways you can get them. You can just get them standard. You can get them deluxe. And then there's the, all the way up to super deluxe, which is like getting a booklet with them, getting posters, uh, a great you know, visual documentation of the tour and the concerts themselves. And that's, of course, the one I'm going to get is the super deluxe. It's too much. Version. Too much. It's too much McCartney. Too much McCartney in, in one sitting. How can you handle that? I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Uh, yeah, and then uh, then last week we got to see, through a strange turn of events, this, we hooked up with this girl, a friend of Diane's, that has known the Finn brothers uh, for years, I guess. Um, Liam Finn and e- e- Elroy. They're uh, Neil Finn's sons. Uh-huh. I love Neil Finn. I love everything he does. I'm a huge fan. And I thought, what the hell? I'll see Liam. And I've got a couple of his records. He's good. He's very good. Um, just a little different. Slightly more esoteric sounding, but he's he's very good. And uh, it was a great show. We, we'd gone to dinner and drinks up the street. We walked down Sunset. Got to the Roxy. There were tickets available. Went in. Just in time for him to start. And it was great. It was... It was great. It was very, you know, poppy and, and fun and went off on different tangents, but it was a, a nice piece of, piece of concert. Huh. And then he came down afterwards and, and got to meet all of us. So I, I got a great shot meeting. I should send it to you for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Great shot meeting uh, Liam Finn. I, th- I, th- I did see that on your Facebook page. What was cool was telling him, like you read on the Facebook page, that you know, I, he said it was his first night playing the Roxy. Okay. And I told him, as we're talking about other stuff, I finally said, well, you know, I've got to tell you, I've got some CD singles that are imports. Well, you know, imports for me living in Minneapolis. They were imports of Crowded House songs. And on the flip side, there were audio tracks of Crowded House playing the Roxy in 1986. So they're up there 
on that stage, that very stage, back in 86, plugging away his crowded house, trying to get momentum just like you're doing. And he's like, wow, really? You've got those? You've got those those cuts? See, yeah. Yeah, I listen to him all the time. He goes, oh, man, that's really cool. Thank you for telling me that. That's cool. Man. It all comes around, doesn't it? It's all cyclical. It comes around. I said, well, yeah. You're doing it almost 30 years later. That's a little spooky. Yeah. But fun, you know? That's, uh, fun. that's a cool little story to to relay to him. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, I think uh, the other thing we kind of wanted to touch on a little bit, you know, we uh, every so often we have to do sort of an obituary, and since the recording of our last uh, episode, uh, very famously Robin Williams passed away, we know, which uh, it was a pretty, pretty big surprise uh, to everyone, I think. And, uh, you know, I, we've, we've all got our, our favorite things that he did. Uh, I think we've all sort of gone back and watched a lot of stuff in that time, but uh, really... You know, it's it's opened up a great conversation, I feel like. Uh, a lot of his friends have, you know, stepped forward. There's been a lot of beautiful stories about stuff the man has done for not just his friends, but for strangers his whole career. Uh, he was always very much sort of uh, of the idea, you got to send the elevator back down, you know, helping out other people uh, and other people starting out and just doing whatever he could to bring a smile to complete strangers' faces uh, or other comics that, you know, he didn't really know. Uh, just doing things to, to help and brighten days. And uh, it, it turns out he not only was sick that, that no one knew about, uh, just had a, a Parkinson diagnosis, which, you know, you can sort of see would be devastating for the sort of thing that he does. But, uh, you know, just his, his struggle with depression and, and uh, some substance abuse that, you know, according to all tales, he had, you know, he had had one sort of relapse a couple of years ago, but uh, really mostly had that in check. But uh, our, certainly our, our, our thoughts go out to Robin Williams' family and, uh, and fans and, and friends. Yeah, it was very... <clears throat> I remember hearing about it and, you know, not being hugely surprised, I guess. Mm-hmm. Meaning that, that if, it was, if it was any number of a dozen people and that had happened, you'd kind of go, wow, really? Really? That guy? But then Robin Williams, I, just, I knew that he'd always had so many uh, mental problems, you know, just, just issues, depression, and, I mean just weird stuff that he's been dealing with. Uh, obviously, I didn't know it was bad. Nobody knew how bad it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I I get tired of all the stuff people are writing or putting on Facebook about this is the greatest tribute I've ever heard, or this is the greatest way to sum up what he was, and here's the greatest way if you really enjoyed his work to really enjoy his work, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know... There was one put up by Peter Coyote. Do you know Peter Coyote? Yes, I do. Uh -huh. He put one up that people just flocked to, like it was the greatest thing anybody could say about Robin Williams. And, and you know, this is the perfect encapsulation of 
of, of what he was, who he is. And he wrote something like, you know, it, you know, he failed us. You know, I love him, and you know, we did birthdays together, and we were friends. We weren't like best friends, but we were good friends. But I feel like he failed us because, but maybe he didn't, because maybe this stuff that's going on is the final gift to tell people, you know, not to go get help, but to ask someone for help. Like maybe he could have gone outside and listened to the birds sing for a while, and maybe he could have, you know, gone over there and, you know, petted a dog on the park bench. You know, maybe he could have, you know, kissed a stranger, you know, whatever. All these maybes, and it's kind of like, you know, Peter, I don't know if you get the, the, the gist of mental illness. That it's not just, I'm feeling depressed today. I'm feeling kind of down. It's like an uncontrollable depression. Yeah, it's an altering of brain altering chemistry. Altering of brain chemistry. You can't just, you know, touching a goldfish isn't going to go away. You know? I just, yeah, and it's just sort of that idea, you know, because I, I, I'm sure it all crossed our minds, just that, that sort of, well, how could you do this? You've got, you know, kids that are still, you know, they're out of the house, but they're still young enough, and you want to experience them, and... You know, his wife and he, you know, his career is still, you know, he had the show that was canceled, but he still had four movies in the can. You know, he's, he's certainly still working in a viable property. But the the sort of nefarious thing about that sort of depression is that it it tricks you into thinking you are a burden and they would be better off without you, that you're actually harming them. And this is a better thing for them as opposed to, well, I'm not going to see my daughter get married or that sort of thing. That's, that's the sort of devilish thing about it. Yeah, it's tricky. But, uh, you know, well, personally, I went back and rewatched Popeye, which I don't think I've seen since the 80s, uh, which is such a strange little film. <laughs> but uh, and we've, we're talking, we're going to watch the, I think the Fisher King tonight. And I, I would like to track down my, my personal favorite project that he ever did was awakenings. Good movie. Yeah. Yeah. He was because that, that was, he was completely stripped of all his shtick in that one. I, I don't, I can't think of any other project, maybe, uh, goodwill hunting where he didn't do any, any sort of little character or voice, uh, but yeah, just such a, a beautiful little film that uh, one of my my top ten, I would say. Yeah, I liked him. You know, I liked him in a lot of stuff. Um, I met him once when I was working on the lot, the Hollywood Center studio lot. We were, I was working on a different show, but someone got us into the Keenan Ivory Wayne show. They were going to do a dress rehearsal for Oasis. So this is like 1997. And I wanted to meet the whole band. And I stood there, and the next thing I knew was, you know, near uh, Robin Williams. He was there watching the whole show. And he had been working on the lot doing What Dreams May Come. Mm-hmm. So when it was done, I kind of turned to him and said, hey, what would you think? And he was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. They are going to be around a long time. A long time. They're going to be a big band. You know, and that was about it. And... Uh, yeah, it it was uh it was it was strange. I'm trying to, I'm trying to word this, you know, just how it was strange because I I 
I don't want to belittle anything, but I, I didn't... His his funny stuff, to me, tapered out a long, long, long time ago. He could still be funny on talk shows. He could still just be funny. But his funny performances, I think, kind of tapered off a long time ago. The one mm-hmm. I would point to that I think is just about the best thing he's done, you know, World According to Garp, I think it's just a great, great movie. But also... Uh, the Birdcage. Oh, right. When I say The Birdcage, I know it's a comedy, and I know it's a big, gay, campy comedy, but he gives that character such dignity and such, you know, poise and, you know, character. Yeah, and yeah. He, and he plays it all as the... He's gay, but he plays it, you know, just very, you know, low to makeup. And, you know, just lots of gold chains and just dresses nice, but isn't isn't floating around the room the way Nathan Lane is. Right. He's right. like the the man, if you will, in the in the couple kind of thing. Okay. Uh, and he's terrific in it. He's just he's yeah. just great. He handles it really well. It's the last I think it's the last comedy of his that I saw that I really, really laughed at. Um so he will be missed. Totally. Yep. Made people very happy and did a lot, a lot, a lot of charity work. Yes. A lot of work yeah, he for did. Others that is extraordinary. So, R.I.P. Robin Williams. Absolutely. I'd like to just can I just take a minute for one other thing? Sure. Um, you know, years ago when I was out here in the mid '90s, uh, I became friends with a band five guys, they were called the Scooters. And they just were a great, great, great songwriting band, just beautiful melodies, harmonies, and they were the, all the best of Neil Finn, really, and some Paul Weller and some jam that, that I loved. It was all in this one package, and they, we became friends. I you know, went to their gigs and hung out with them, went to bars and just hung out and stuff, and you know, we became friends, and then it sort of fizzled out for them after a few years of you know, trying this and making a few albums and getting the word out there. Uh, it didn't quite happen. And uh, about 10 years ago, I think, maybe, maybe a little less, some of the guys started finding me on Facebook. And it's great. We're starting up old conversations and everything is great. And then about a year ago, Chris, the uh, lead singer, rhythm guitar, and Anthony, who's the um, uh, lead guitar, backing vocals, or took some leads sometimes, met us outside the Groucho for coffee. We, we met inside, then we went outside and hung out for a bit, and they had to get back to work. So we took a picture, and that was the last time I saw them. And then I heard, because, uh, you know, now they kind of split apart. The band didn't stay together. They all had to get back to their regular jobs, you know, possibly get married or do this or do that. You know, Chris is still working in music, helping kids, you know, at this music camp. Uh, Anthony was working for the Royal Shakespeare House, I think, or something, or Royal Opera House. And uh, suddenly, out of the blue, I get a note on Facebook from Chris about a week ago that uh, Anthony died. Uh, seemed to just, he died of a heart attack. Oh, gosh. 41 years old. Oh. Uh, Really, like, what the hell? What? 
you know, and you know, I'm sure there's more to it that I could find out, and uh, you know, I can't get over there to, to do anything, but I'm sending stuff and you know, checking in with the guys and everything. But uh, really, really hit me again, like another person getting sick, but not just sick, but just gone. Right, gone. Right. So we have this picture of the three of us out in front of the Groucho. That's great, but it's the last picture that I took with him. Huh. So, uh, you know, I guess we can dedicate this episode to Robin Williams and to to Anthony Carey. Totally. Uh, gone before their time, before they got to give more laughter and joy and music to everybody. Yeah. Well, I'm very, very sorry for your loss. That's uh, such, I know, such just a, a punch in the gut when you find out news like that. Yeah, it's been weird. Yeah. Very strange. But, you know, again, uh, a, another good reminder to sort of focus on the important stuff, you know, reaching out to your friends, telling people you love them, and, uh, and just uh, if, you're, if you're in a bad spot, reach out to someone. Because uh, there's there's certainly certainly help and and people that are willing to help and uh, just you know live every day to the fullest. I know it's kind of a cliche, but uh, you just never know when when the lights go out. Yep. Totally. Yep. So that's that's what we have for this episode. And uh, no, it's we don't always like to end on sort of a sad note like that, but it's it's certainly part of life, and uh, and uh, you know we're it's not it's not unique to us losing people, but it's it's good to to recognize that just as part of the human experience and uh, and and to share that. So thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we don't want to talk too long because you're a little a little under the weather today. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's what we have. Another good hour episode. Yeah, thank you. You can chew on that for a bit. That's right. Have a good week, and we'll talk back at you soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Shiny. Let's be bad guys. I know Kung Fu. Show. Secrets of nature's deepest mystery.